0: We want to study the history, we certainly want to study the migration, when people moved and where they moved from and to. We want to know what their habits were, what they like to eat, what diseases they had, what made them happy, what what not, did they move with the women or without the women. So they're all sort of questions, but they're all based on the same exact things actual identification of time and place of where these skeletons are from because if we don't have that then then everything will be off
1: i'm pete ferrand and this is the time traveler suitcase You just heard Dr. Aaron L. Haik speaking of the ancient DNA revolution that is coming to DNA testing and genetic genealogy. He is the principal inspiration behind DNA Consultants' new line of tests called primeval DNA, which are the first of their type and totally new in the marketplace. In today's program, I interview him by Skype at his university office in Sheffield, England. We are tempted to call this segment of the broadcast Gadfly of the Genetics World and I think you will very shortly understand why that is. If Socrates was the gadfly of ancient Athens, Aaron el is the gadfly of the international genetics scene. Like Socrates, he challenges the status quo and seems to win every argument. DNA Consultants is the sponsor of the Time Traveler Suitcase. It's a company that has been helping people find their ancestry for more than 15 years. The founder, Donald Yates, has written a number of popular books that have now become audio titles like Cherokee DNA Studies, Real People Who Proved the Geneticists Wrong. This is the audiobook featured in our first few episodes. His pledge, then and now, was to treat every customer's family history with the same care as his own. That idea was behind the DNA Fingerprint Plus, Cherokee Ancestry Test, and now, primeval DNA. Based on the discoveries of Israeli-American geneticist Eren El-Khaik, it is the world's first ancient DNA test series. Could you match both modern-day Israeli Jews and ancient Israelites? It's possible, but it's only possible at DNA Consultants. Visit us online at www.dnaconsultants.com. Check out the latest in DNA research on modern-day populations and ancient peoples like Vikings, early American Indians, Stone Age Europeans, and others. You'll be delighted and amazed. We're talking about genetics and the DNA that has been preserved for thousands of years and now applying that to modern populations. Our guest, Dr. Aaron el was the lead author of a paper published last month called Ancient Ancestry Informative Markers for Identifying Fine-Scale Ancient Population Structure in Eurasians. We'll find out what those words mean in just a few moments. Dr. El-Haik is an Israeli-American geneticist, is a faculty member and head of a laboratory. He specializes in genetic epidemiology, population genetics, molecular evolution, and personalized medicine in the Department of Animal and Plant Science at the University of Sheffield in Sheffield, England. He's also known as a paleogeneticist with a doctorate in molecular evolution at the University of Houston, Texas, with postdoctoral work at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. So, Iran, welcome to the Time Traveler Suitcase. That takes care of your CV. We'll be talking about what you're doing right now. You are originally from Israel. So tell us what your, first, tell us what your American connection is, please.
0: Oh, I, I have American citizenship. I, I was at uh, at the U.S. for 10 years, starting my Ph.D. and going through my two postdocs until I became a faculty member at Johns Hopkins. Just then I got my citizenship, and then in 2014 I left to the uh, U.K. because um, I was offered uh, a, a tenure track position in there.
1: Okay, well that sounds sounds good. When I have to I have to ask you what made you become an American citizen of all things because you would have had a choice, I suppose, of staying as an Israeli citizen or or becoming a citizen of the U.K. or anywhere else.
0: Well, I, I didn't at that time. I, I uh, saw my life at the U.S. I never imagined living, uh, but uh, the financial crisis hit was impossible to find positions, impossible to get money. And uh, I thought the UK would be a safe haven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me a year, only a year to realize how wrong I was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <'cause>, <laughs> the years of uh, relative stable country, all of a sudden Scotland want to secede. And, yes. and, and now with the Brexit, so actually I'm, I'm maybe finding my way uh, back to the US. Uh, I'm, I'm still considering my options. But once again, I have to take the uh, the the local green card tests and yes. uh, and answer questions such as how long bars are open and stuff like that just <laughs> just to show how how well I fit in in life in the UK. It's uh, exactly <laughs> this kind
1: of test. Exactly. And now we have another Irish question coming up uh thanks to Brexit. <laughs> so there's this the life is full of these things. All right. So you were lead author in an article in the journal Genes recently that was called ancient Ancestry, Informative Markers for Identifying Fine-Scale Ancient Population Structure in Eurasians. Okay. And there were four other people who were credited as an author. I guess you're the lead author in the in the piece, and the, you, you did the writing and the others did some of the research. I, I assume that's the way it works. Uh, correct. Yes. The title makes sense with the words. It's in academies, of course. And uh, this has something to do with what the sponsor of this podcast, DNA Consultants and Donald Yates, is involved with as far as primeval uh, DNA goes. So I think, first of all, when hit with the term primeval DNA, why don't we define that first and figure out what that means?
0: That means uh, DNA from ancient times, DNA that was extracted from uh, skeletons, mummies, and uh, and, and, and different bones found in different parts of the world. It's the opposite of uh, uh, modern-day DNA that is extracted from uh, living people or from people recently diseased. Um, and the purpose of this test is to allow your anyone to compare their DNA with that ancient DNA or primeval DNA uh, to test their genetic similarity uh, to these ancient people. Um, you need to understand what what is going on right now and what population geneticists have been doing for a very long time is to compare the DNA of modern people to that of other modern people and tell themselves stories about why those people represent ancient populations. So in which case, uh, typically uh, uh, Druze and Bedouins and Palestinians represented ancient Israelites for whatever reason. That was just the story uh, scientists told themselves. And uh, English represented uh, the ancient Anglos and, and Saxon just because there was nothing else. Um, so... so all the the whole field of genetic genealogy, any company that you'd send your DNA to, they will tell you you're 20% uh, Levantines, 30% British, because they will compare your DNA to the DNA of other living people, and assuming they represent the past, which they don't. They never did. We always knew that was a lie, but that's just a lie that we told ourselves, because there was no other data. Now there is. Okay. Um, and uh, and now we actually have data from these ancient populations, ancient Israelites, Roman Britons, uh, Native Americans, and so forth, that were actually there, living 5,000, 7,000, 10,000 years old. Now we're at the point where we can start asking again all the questions we've been asking 10, uh, uh, 10 years ago, but uh, using the actual data uh, that, that is best to answer those questions.
1: So when we talk about again primeval, we're talking about five thousand years uh, ago and further back, basically. or Is there a, um, is there a real? We're talking
0: about five. Uh, most of the data is five hundred um, A.D. to uh, twenty uh, thousand
1: uh, B.C. All right, because I I had no idea what you're really what you're really talking about with with that. So. What we're, what we're finding is basically we find carcasses buried in, under the ice and whatever, and the DNA is still preserved. And this was the great discovery. Relative, very, very recently was this discovered, right? That DNA was preserved for all this time in many cases.
0: Um, yes, so the DNA is a very strong molecule. It had to be because it carried uh, all of lives on this earth for the past 4 billion years. But it's not indestructible. Um, it hates uh, water and it hates heat, um, so this is why it is very difficult to get uh, DNA from Africa or, or Egypt along the Nile. But what it really really uh, loves or, or the best way of preserving DNA is uh, in cold or dry areas. So uh, so just like the, uh, the, 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 the scrolls found in the Dead Sea, they were preserved because this, this area happened to be very dry. And just like the same thing as with the DNA. And over the past 10 years, there has been a revolution in paleogenetics and people, pioneers in the field, improved the extraction methods of this DNA and were able to sequence it um, and overcome the fact that the DNA, you know, over the thousand years that it has been under the ground, has been broken to a lot of pieces. They were able to put together all these pieces and create the genomes of lots of ancient people from all over the world.
1: Now, how do we know who these people were, really? I mean, you find somebody buried in the uh, ice in Siberia, and uh, there, are, uh, there are and were any number of ethnic groups around in various places of Siberia. So you have a set of uh, DNA from somebody. How do you know who that connects to?
0: Well, what you described is the worst possible scenario. And uh, no, we wouldn't know who that person is. Um, we would be far more fortunate if uh, that person died along with some jars or or, or art oh, okay. or some arrows yeah. or something that we know of that can give us a hint about the culture. Um, the easiest ones are the ones that are you know that have a tomb above them uh, with some kind of name. Yeah, well, <laughs> That's, yeah of almost, course. <laughs> <laughs> that almost never happens. Yes. Uh, but we can infer uh, the context from uh, archaeology and this is why um, archaeologists uh, Once again became extremely uh, important in paleogenetics research because they're responsible on generating all this other metadata That goes along with the with with the DNA and helps us make this type of inference about who that person is And, and if we have the kind of person that you describe, that we don't know anything about them They may still be similar to somebody that we know Of and and we can infer their, uh, get some idea about their cultural affiliation in this way. All right and the point of this study is
1: to look at the movement of populations. Is that the primary goal here to see which populations were where and where that where they moved in ancient times?
0: Uh, There are several goals for paleogenetics research. We want to study the history, we certainly want to study the migration, when people moved and where they moved from and to. We want to know what their habits were, what they like to eat, what diseases they had, what made them happy, uh, what what not. Um, how did they, did they move with the women or without the women? Um, so they're all sort of questions, but they're all based on the same exact things, actual identification of time and place of where these skeletons are from. Because if we don't have that, then then everything will be
1: off. Well, yeah. And I (laughs) guess the thing that we've discovered here, or you have discovered and your cohort has discovered, is that these populations moved a tremendous amount. And previously, when I was a boy, it was told that these populations were basically static and would stay where they were for thousands of years without leaving town, so to speak.
0: Right, exactly. So that relates to theories of nationalism and the stories that uh, nationalistic historians told us and, and other people and politicians about what makes English English, Israeli-Israelites, and, and so on and so forth. And the stories that they told is that um, Israel or or England, English or wherever they are, these people are descendants of the populations that uh, were there, uh, hunter farmers or, or hunter gatherers or farmers, that lived there thousands of year ago and changed very little and absorbed very little other people uh, into them. And, and the only difference between uh, modern and ancient Israelites is that uh, the, the the later did not have uh, access to Wi-Fi. Other than that, <laughs> they're exactly the same people. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but what we see from the uh, from the DNA is that, of course, uh, first of all, populations in the past which were, were far more diverse. Uh, so that's uh, kind of obvious. They were uh, they they went through a lot of bottlenecks, uh, either through disease or famine or hunger or through marriage, just marrying. Uh, uh their kids to uh, to the neighboring kids um so the diversity of the population went down just like it happens with any you know tiger or elephant population uh and the other things that we see is is great movement uh from the levant outside and then conquering uh europe mixing up with the uh, hunter gatherers um, I, we don't know what they did with them, though. Uh, the people who came and were farmers, yeah. either they enslaved them or they paid them uh, to, you know, continue working in their field or they just pushed them away uh, to, to Scandinavia. Uh, one way or another, the population of uh, farmers replaced the hunter-gatherers. And then later population that discovered iron and, and, and metal, metal and so forth, replaced them and so on and so forth. But the populations always moved. So that that kind of brings into question the whole concept of Europeans and Asians and Levantines. I mean, what's the point of all those those names if everybody were on the move all the time?
1: yeah they, um, moved, they moved and they inter-intermarried or interbred
0: of course they didn't know they were not allowed i mean they they they, they, they loved that,
1: I and mean, why not? I guess we probably will never know the motivation for this. We were talking about the possibility, I read so, at some point, Aboriginal Taiwanese would build some sort of boats and sail into the Papua New Guinea area and beyond. And yeah. And that was, you know, you look at that, and that's amazing. How did they take food along and water along and all these other things? It, and it's fascinating, yes. Why did they do this? Were they right. seeking something were they being punished and being thrown out of their country? Were they crazy? Uh, had you know, had they had they smoked something and just decided to <laughs> go, go sailing? It must have been terribly dangerous. And how did they get their navigation? We'll never know these questions, but they are interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, and possibly all of them. I mean, we 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 never know what prompts people to to go ahead and, and explore, except that we like to do it ourselves at least at least some of us those yeah. that are not playing uh, Fortnite all day <laughs> <laughs> and just uh, uh and just go outside and and see what what is there what is out there just like you know good good explorers just like the uh American pioneers and and and, and everybody else who like to go to fertile ground and said I I want to be here because there is no one else and and I'm going to be here first your
1: your research paper it sounds like then talks about a very technical way of you know the technical aspects of analyzing this uh, this DNA is that is that the thrust
0: of it it's yeah it's technical but it's something that uh, was needed to open up this field uh, for more sophisticated analysis um, what what happened with uh, the, the field of human DNA uh, studies so as you know the, the human DNA is, is huge it's uh, about three billion markers. Um, And we don't want to study all of them because most of them are the same in all humans and and shared with the chimpanzees Um, and and, and The other ones just don't show a lot of variation between humans and if there is no variation, there is no population genetics Uh, and what we want to study are only the type of mutations in the DNA that change between uh between populations that if you look at french and german and english these mutations would be different between them and allowing us to uh identify these these people and, and ask questions about the, their health and phenotypes and eye color and these sort of things um, so to promote this field of, of modern dna uh people came up with a special kind of mutations and they were called ancestry informative markers Uh, that uh, were different between different between human groups and if you only look at very small uh, uh, number of those mutations it can be as few as 100 then you can correctly call um, um, Chinese, African, uh, Papua New Guineas, uh, Native Americans and so on and so forth because those hundred mutations were just so different between all these populations. Um, So knowing this opened up the whole field of human uh, population genetics and then we could start asking questions about, uh, where did people come from? Uh, uh, what kind of uh, phenotypes they have? Start doing some personalized medicine, where it is important to know who you are before treatment can be uh, 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 provided to you, and so on and so forth. What we did here, we did we applied the same logic, but we identified those ancient ancestry-informative markers in the ancient uh, paleogenomes, which are very large. And unfortunately, like human genomes, they're full of holes, because this is where the DNA disintegrated. Uh, and we cannot patch this hole. It's not Jurassic Park. We're not going to take some <laughs> frog's DNA and put it in there. <laughs> These holes are there to stay. Um, so, so it was a, a very challenging database, but we were able to identify those those fingerprints of ancestor informative markers. And now that we have this power, those fingerprints, now we can ask Okay, are you more uh, ancient uh, Roman Breton or more ancient Israelites? And I can answer this question because I can take the same fingerprints from your DNA and compare it to those uh, of, of the ancient genomes.
1: All right, and we'll remind everyone we're talking to Dr. Aaron el close enough, <laughs> um, who is a, a paleogeneticist at the University of Sheffield in the U.K., First of all, in case anybody picked up on only a portion of what you were just saying, you're not attempting to recreate ancient populations here. Uh, no, not, not, not yet. <laughs> that would present certain ethical issues that uh, we don't probably don't want to get into. No. <laughs> but we I do, I do want to talk about what the impact is, because now we have these genetic tests that are widely available for the general population, for retail consumers, not just for academic research. And it's surprising to me how popular these things have gotten over the last just the last couple of years, because I've run into people ever since I got into this project with our first podcast. I mentioned it to a number of people and they say, oh, I had my DNA studied here, there and and everywhere else. And I know uh, let's talk about what the impact is on individual consumers, not just academic research.
0: So this is something that is still uh, being studied and determined. We're actually just now putting a proposal to study the impact of these tests on uh, people's beliefs and identity and uh, social political opinions. Um, the, the The field of genetic genealogy was launched in the uh, in, in the year of two thousand. I, I joined only a couple of years later. Um, I developed the first test for uh, the Genographic Project. Um, and then I uh, did some work for uh, uh, Home DNA, and now we're, I'm working with DNA consultants. Um, all this time developing the next generation of tests. Um, what most of these tests, aside the ones that are finding your your relatives that that never worked as expected, uh, mostly telling you stuff that you already know. Um, uh, the other things that they did was to take um, ancestry and, and break it down to regions, and then telling people they're 20% this, 30% that. Um, I find those answers very uninformative, uh, but but it's so simple that everybody can understand, and I guess this was the great attraction. Um, they're also very um, inaccurate in the historical context again because people. Um, Uh, Changed over time and moved over time and today what you call British are not the same as 500 years ago as we discussed but but this is What these tests provide and what we're trying to do here is uh, Taking people to the past with this technology that we developed and 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 tell them who their ancestors were and what components of their DNA uh, remains in in their modern-day DNA do you
1: think most people, this is idle curiosity, or are they seeking something something
0: else? Um, as, as, as long as uh, countries uh, favor people of different nationalities, there will be something to gain and something to lose. Oh. Um, for a contemporary example is uh, Senator Warren. She took the test <laughs> to prove something. Uh, she didn't do a very good job. <laughs> 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 and she also didn't get very good advice, so she went ahead and, and 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 with not very good results, unfortunately. But 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 she did that because she expect to gain something from this affiliation, and and the same for for Israel. Now, uh, if you want to become Israeli citizenship, you need to prove you're Jew. Um, right now, DNA is not really uh, uh, considered as as evidence, but with time we can perceive, we can imagine that it may. And the same goes for the US, you get all those benefits for minorities, and there is a guy now that sues that he's claiming he got some 5% uh, black uh, in his DNA test, although he looks white and never affiliated himself with the black culture, but he asked for uh, benefits and he was declined, so he went ahead and sued, so I'm following this case, very interesting. So 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 this is one motivation to take this test. The other motivation is curiosity, and we're getting a lot of people who are telling us their royalty this and royalty that, and and the tests uh, somehow <laughs> uh, verified us, which is which is really great. Makes me happy to hear. Not exactly why I developed it, but uh, whatever works. Um, and and some people just want to you know join join the trend, jump on the wagon, see where they are, where they came from, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, all these this is
1: all fine? I suppose some people want, power to, power. Want, want to find out who they are to lord it over everybody else. And just in case somebody doesn't keep up with world uh, news or the U.S. news, uh, uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren claimed she was in part of Indian descent, uh, American Indian descent, and then her genetic test proved that she was some minuscule amount. I don't remember how many decimal points of, of Indian <laughs> background there were, but that's, that's all we find, and that's common, I guess, to most everybody whose background is American for a few generations, I suppose, has some Indian in, in them. Right. All right, Eren. thank you very much for joining us for the Time Traveler Suitcase today. It was a pleasure. We've been talking to Dr. Eren el a paleogeneticist and unofficial gadfly at the University of Sheffield in England, which is where he spoke to us from. If you'd like to get in touch with him, I'll have his web address in just a moment. We'll also hear more of Dr. L. Haik in our very next podcast. Among other things, I'll ask him about why people want or need or should know about their primeval ancestors. Take care. Thank you. Absolutely. So if you'd like to learn more about Dr. L. Haik and his laboratory activities, you can find his web page at http forward slash forward slash And I'll spell it slowly. www. e r a n e l h a i k l a b. dot o r g. Join us for our future podcasts. In addition to Eran El-Khaik, we'll talk about our experiences with real people who proved the geneticists wrong, stories from people who've had their DNA tested, and tales from various battles over who is or is not a Melungeon. You can find all of Donald Yates' and DNA Consultants' books on Amazon.com and Audible.com, from Ancestors and Enemies to Cherokee DNA Studies real people who prove the geneticists wrong. Listen to us on iTunes and from the link at dnaconsultants.com. We'd like to hear your comments. Please direct them to the webpage. The Time Traveler Suitcase is brought to you by DNA Consultants. Check out the webpage at dnaconsultants.com. The program is written by Donald Yates, and I'm host and producer Pete Ferrand. Thanks for listening.